0: Hello and welcome to the
1: Pep Guardiola is a Fraud show. I'm Dave Hendrick and today is Thursday. It's a wonderful day. Manchester City have once again collapsed in the Champions League and been dumped out at the semi-final stage by Real Madrid and Real Madrid will now go forward to face Liverpool in the Champions League final in Paris. We could talk about Liverpool. We normally do, but let's today, let's just focus in on Pep because tonight or last night rather, was really special. It was a really special way to blow a Champions League semi-final. So City went into the tie 4-3 up on aggregate. They should have won that first leg more convincingly. They probably should have won it 7-5, 8-5, something like that. It was a ridiculous game of football in which neither team really defended. And I told everybody, don't write this Real Madrid team off. There's just too much now. There's too much experience And there's too many winners. There's too many winners in this Real Madrid team to just be written off against a team who have habitually choked in the Champions League. Real were the better team for the first 70 minutes. Now, City felt like they were playing within themselves, but Real were the better team and had the better chances. Benzema had a good headed chance. He had a good half-volleyed chance. The only chance City really had in that first half was the Bernardo Silva one on his right foot, which is his weaker foot, stretching as the ball went away from goal, trying to get it in at the near post past Thibaut Courtois. There was the other Benzema chance, which was ruled out as offside, but the replay seemed to show that he was onside, and if it had gone in, it may well have counted. That was the first half. In the second half, Vinicius Jr. missed a really good chance. And then his first touch let him down twice when he was in behind the City defence. So Real were creating chances. And City weren't playing well. But then City went 1-0 up. It's a brilliant goal by maras Absolutely outstanding finish that nobody can take away from him. That's on 73 minutes. City are now two goals up in the tie with 17 minutes plus stoppage time left. So you'd say 20-22 minutes, somewhere in that region. Pep decides to bring on Jack Grealish. Now, he's already brought on Zinchenko for Kyle Walker and moved Zhao across to right back. He's brought on Gundogan for De Bruyne. Those are understandable moves. Walker had been hurt. He'd been out injured. He came back. He clearly wasn't at 100% and his pace was bailing them out time and again. He kept getting beaten by Vinicius and then been able to get back into position because of his pace. But all of those sprints clearly had an effect on him. So they make that first change, brings in Chanko on, can say, oh, comes across, that's fine. They take off De Bruyne, who looks exhausted and hasn't played well. They bring on Gundogan. Then they score. And then you're looking at and thinking, now is the time to manage this game. Now is the time to solidify your shape, improve your defensive structure, and see this game out. Now, the change to make here was to bring on Nathan Aki. You bring on Aki for Gabriel Jesus. You put Bernardo Silva into the front three, where his ball retention, his ability to carry the ball, and his ability to win cheap free kicks will really pay off. You push Zinchenko into midfield, where he plays for his international team and is outstanding. And you bring on Aki at left back, who is a better defender than Zinchenko. Better in the air, better 1v1, and also can offer you something of a threat at set pieces. So you still say stay with the same 4-3-3. You still have your attacking threat with Bernardo, who's an outstanding footballer, joining Mares and Foden in the front three. You get more solid in midfield. Now you've got Gundigan, you've got Rodri, and you've got um, and you've got Zinchenko, and then you get the, the back four of Cancelo, Diaz, Laporte, and Aki. Now some people said, well, that would be inviting pressure. No, it wouldn't. Not in any way, shape, or form would that be inviting pressure because you can now control where the game is played a bit more. Aki's just as quick as Zinchenko, so you can play the high line. He's not as good on the ball, but he's good on the ball. He's decent. Zinchenko is not a truly defensive-minded midfielder, despite the fact that Pep plays in left-back. He's quite an attack-minded player. He's got good ball retention. He's a good passer. It's good vision. So your midfield still enables you to progress the ball, and now you've got a balanced front three. Instead, he brings on Grealish. And the logic behind this apparently is that Grealish can protect the ball, Grealish can run down the clock, and Grealish can win free kicks. And that slows the game down. Well, Grealish won two free kicks in the time he was on the pitch, which including after time was 47 minutes. He also gave away two free kicks. Now, giving away free kicks is just inviting pressure on yourself. And he gave the ball away seven times. Seven times which invited pressure back on City. And if you watched, you saw City target him, take the ball off him and push up field. Oh, but he almost scored twice. No, he missed two sitters. Let's describe it as it happened. He missed two absolute sitters. That's what he did. It wasn't that he almost scored. He should have scored. They're easy chances. Now, it's not the fault of Jack Grealish, though he was poor and he has been poor this season. It's the fault of Guardiola not being able to see out a game, not knowing how to manage that that situation. Real looked dead to rights. Real brought off Modric. They brought off Tony Cruz. We get into the 89th minute and City are still one up. They're two goals ahead on aggregate. And yet they're still trying to play super expansive football. They're still leaving themselves open in certain areas. There's a ball played the back post. Cancel plays Benzema onside. Diaz ignores Rodrigo, who runs off his back shoulder. And Benzema's ball back across is put home by Rodrigo. when it's 1-1 on the night. And City are only one goal up on aggregate now. But we're heading into injury time. Real can't score again, can they? City have a great defence. They tell us all the time, Ruben Diaz, the best centre-back in the world. Joe can say was the best full-back in the world. Edison's the best goalkeeper in the world. Rodri's the best holding midfielder in the world. We hear this all the time. And within 90 seconds, it's a simple ball into the box. Rodrigo makes a run. Finds himself behind Laporte in front of Diaz. So Laporte is watching the ball. He can see the ball. He doesn't know where the man is, but he knows he's on his back shoulder. Diaz, though, can see the ball and the man. And Diaz has about six inches of height and probably about four stone in weight on Rodrigo and doesn't attack the ball properly. Gets caught a little bit flat-footed and sort of lunges himself towards it. And Rodrigo, who's 5-9, rises and scores. It's 2-1 at atle- uh, rail on the night. It's 5-5 in aggregate. And we're into extra time. We go into extra time. And within three minutes, simple ball into the box. Benzema takes a touch. He's not going anywhere. He's, his touch takes him away from goal. And Ruben Diaz, for reasons known only to Ruben Diaz, slides in, can't get close to the ball, takes him down penalty. Benzema steps up and scores. And from there, City never looked like scoring. They had the one chance with Foden. And that was it. That was it from there. They'd had all the chances in the 90 minutes with the Grealish sitters. That was it. Manchester City, with all this money spent, and all the talent they have, and this manager who's revolutionised football, and this philosophy and identity that he has, and that he brings with him wherever he goes, resorted to lumping long balls towards a front three that were all about 5'9". Sterling, Grealish, can't even remember who the other one was. Let me look that up. Who was the third sub that he brought on up front? That was it. Sterling and Grealish. He did push Bernardo into the front three. He did, because he brought on... He brought on... um, Fernandinho. And then when he took Fernandinho... When he took Rodri off, they just looked lost. So... Yeah, they just resorted to lumping long balls into the box in some strange idea that they were going to get something from that. And Jesus Falejo, who hasn't has barely played all season, just came on and headed everything away. Nacho headed everything away. Even Danny Carvial looked comfortable. That is one of the most spectacular collapses in Champions League history. And we always hear about this, you know, Pep versus Klopp thing. Well, look, Pep has won far more than Klopp. And he has. He has. But let's let's dig into that for a second. He took over at Barcelona and he won his two Champions Leagues there. At Barcelona, he had Messi, he had Iniesta, he had Busquets, and he had Xavi. All of him came through the academy. And he had Carlos Puyol also came through the academy. So they're five most important players. All came through the academy. He had nothing to do with the acquirement of those players. They were just there. He inherited them. They were all ready to go. He also had Pedro, who came through the academy and was also a key player. So with Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, and Busquets, who at the time all four of them were top five, were top 10 players in the world, and three of them were top five in the world most seasons, he won his two Champions Leagues. Since leaving Barcelona, he has reached one Champions League final last season against Chelsea, and they lost. Jurgen Klopp, who's never had Messi, who's never had billions to spend, has reached four Champions League finals now, and is four to one against Pep without Messi. Pep went to to Bayern Munich when he left City, took the year off, went to Bayern Munich, took over a Bayern Munich team that had already won the treble, including the Champions League. And yes, he did win three straight league titles there. But Bayern had won the title before he got there, and they've won the title in all six years since he left. In fact, the only manager to win the Bundesliga since the beginning of 2009-10 who wasn't in charge of Bayern Munich was Jurgen Klopp. Nico Kovac won the Bundesliga in charge of Bayern. Jurgen Klopp won it with Dortmund, who had about the sixth biggest budget but the fifth biggest wage bill in the country at that time. Pep took over a giant and just kept them where they were. All he did was maintain the standards, He won three league titles, but again, they've won six since he left. So, in all likelihood, they would have won those three league titles with or without him. But in the Champions League, he didn't have that level of success. Hammered. Hammered by Real Madrid in the semi-final in 2013-14. Beaten 4-0 at home. A 1-0 defeat away, Bayern were confident that they could turn that round in the second leg, and they lost 4-0 at home to Real Madrid. Now, admittedly, a great Real Madrid team that went on to win the competition, but still, losing 4-0 at home in a Champions League semi-final is a little bit embarrassing. 2015, again, they make their way through the groups, that's all fine. They get into the knockout phases. They get hammered 3-0 by Barcelona. Again, it's a really good Barcelona team that goes on to win the competition. But they'd had some luck along the way. They'd lost 3-1 away to Porto in the quarterfinal. They go out in fairly spectacular fashion. Three goals in the last 15 or 16 minutes by Barca in the first leg. The 2-1 down with... 30 minutes to go before they take control of the second leg and come back to win 3-2. That one's not as bad as the first year, but it's still not great. 15-16. Simple group. They come through. That's fine. They beat Juventus. They beat Benfica. And then they go out to Atletico Madrid. They lose the first leg 1-0. They they win the second leg 2-1 and go out on away goals. That wasn't a vintage Atletico Madrid team. They were good. It wasn't one of their title-winning teams. They had a bit of a down year. Then he goes to City. And they go out to Monaco. Now, I know that was a really exciting Monaco team. But there was no excuse for City to go out. They won the first leg 5-3 at home. And then they blew it in the second leg. They lost 3-1 away. They went out in aggregate due to the away goals that Monaco scored at their stadium. 17-18. Again, they worked their way through the groups. That's all fine. It's an easy group. They should win it comfortably. They make it a bit harder than they should have. They beat Basel. They lose at home in the second leg, having won the first leg, one 4-0. Then they play us. And we destroyed them in the first leg. We win 3-0. And then we beat them 2-1 in the second leg at the Etihad. And at that point, we weren't anywhere close to what we are now. We finished fourth in the league that year. In 1819, then they get through the groups again, straightforward group. They finish top. They beat a bad Schalke team, 7-0 at the second leg, which tells you everything you need to know about Schalke. And then they lose to Spurs. And again, it's not a it's not a vintage Spurs team by any stretch of the imagination. It's a Spurs team that just about scraped into fourth and were in horrendous form in the league. They lost 1-0 away from from home and then beat Spurs 4-3 at home. But they were 2-1 down in that game. They couldn't overcome that 1-0 deficit. They conceded 3 at home to Spurs. 1920 then this is obviously the kind of bubble year again they top a very straightforward group they knock out real madrid 4-2 over both legs in the uh round of 16 and then lose 3-1 to leon and again it's not exactly a great leon team and then last year they make the champions league final it's not a run that anyone's going to remember. They topped a straightforward group. They beat an average Borussia Gladbach, an average Borussia Dortmund. They did beat Paris Saint-Germain in the semi-finals, And credit to them for that. But PSG are also habitual chokers in the Champions League. And then they lose 1-0 to a very, very average Chelsea team. A Chelsea team that just about made Champions League. Again, finished fourth in the division, where where City ran away with the Premier League. This Champions League run of Pep since leaving since leaving Barcelona and not having Messi is not impressive. The first two years at Bayern, you can say, okay, they lost to the eventual champions, and. That Real team and that Barca team were very, very good. Now, that Real team wasn't as good, obviously, as the team that went on and won three in a row, but it was still a very, very good team with a lot of the same pieces. The Barca team with the Messi, Suarez, Neymar frontline, that's fine. You can accept that one. Though the manner of some of the defeats is a bit embarrassing for him, considering the talent he's had at his disposal. So, again, Messi. And three other generational players, three other all-time greats, four if you include Puyol, two Champions League wins in two Champions League finals. Bayern, reigning Champions League winners, easy march to the Bundesliga every year, so not taxing, should be really fresh for Champions League. Three exits, one of which was was very disappointing. The other two was just the manner of them more than the actual exit themselves. And then at City, where he has spent over a billion quid, it's, it's just dreadful, really. Year on year on year, it's dreadful. And you do have to ask major questions over whether or not he is capable of winning a Champions League now. He's clearly a great manager. There's no doubting his ability to, to manage to improve players, to play interesting styles of football. But, you know, sometimes he obviously does the whole thing about him overthinking things, which people push back on and whatever. But I don't know that he necessarily overthinks things. I think he just overcomplicates things at times. He was a super intelligent player. And I think he believes that all players should have that same level of game intelligence and that he should be able to pass on instruction to players and they should be able to process that instantaneously. And while some players can, you know, OK, Gundigan's very intelligent, Kevin De Bruyne's very intelligent, others aren't so much. And when he's feeding them a lot of information, I do think sometimes players' eyes just glaze over. We've all seen the clips of him in the footage and, you know, on the sideline, giving 15 lines of instruction to a player. Whereas Rodrigo was asked what Carlo Ancelotti told him before he went on last night. And he said, he just told me to score. That's it. Simple. Sounds ridiculous, but simple and effective. Just score. Put the round thing in between them posts and we're good. And I do sometimes wonder if this is where Pep struggles. At Barca, he was very, very fortunate to have a collective of players with super high IQs, a collective of players that had also been developed in the Barcelona way, like he was, that had the same upbringing in football that he did. And that era of Spanish football, some of the most intelligent players going. And even the other ones that came in from abroad, like Thierry Henry, super high intelligence. So it's one of a couple of things here. It's either he overcomplicates things and his players just don't have the intelligence to process it. He overthinks things and makes mistakes. And he made a mistake last night with that substitution. I will stand by that. He should have brought on Nathan Aki. Or the third option here is that Yaya Toure's hex put on via African shaman is actually real and is working. Now, I'll leave it up to you to decide which one, but it is, it is just funny. It is a good day to not be a City fan. That's what it is. Also, slight side note. Is Kevin De Bruyne the best player in the world today who hasn't won a Champions League? Like, I know people say Mbappe, he's not as good as De Bruyne and he's also 22, 23. Kevin De Bruyne is in his 30s now. And his window to win one is closing. Haaland hasn't won yet. He's not nearly as good as De Bruyne. And again, he's very, very young. De Bruyne may be exiting his prime years and he hasn't won a Champions League yet. And I would be interested to hear from anybody what player over the last 15, 20 years who was better than De Bruyne didn't win a Champions League. I'd just be really interested to hear anyone's suggestions for that. Now, Eden Hazard is the one that springs to mind, but I don't think he was better than De Bruyne, even at his best. And I actually looked at this last night and started to come up with a theory that it's also that Belgian team. De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, company, Alderweireld, Vertongen. Great, great players. Axel Witzel. Thibaut Courtois. Near a Champions League between them. Now, Courtois has an opportunity this year, obviously. Hazard would get a medal, I assume, though he would play little to no part. They flopped in the international scene time and again. And at league level, at club level, they haven't won Champions Leagues. It's just an interesting theory that maybe there's something in the water with that Belgian golden generation where they're just doomed to failure. There's lots of stuff on This Is Anfield that you can read ahead of the Champions League final, looking back on the semi-final. There's the new kit, the new kit reveal. Um, I, it's, it's okay. It's just a plain shirt. Um, nothing special, but nothing offensive. Far better what has been put out for Manchester United, which looks like, you know, circa 1995 to 97 Middlesbrough or Charlton type of of jobby when they were getting their kits made by Iria or whoever it was. It, it, It just has that kind of vibe and it's hilarious that United continually get these horrible kits from Adidas, whereas Arsenal are getting these Unbelievable kits from Adidas. The United aren't helped by the fact that their sponsor's name looks awful. But our sponsor's name doesn't look great. The logo's not great in the shirt, and our shirts look fine. Um, the the team viewer one is definitely better than the Chevrolet one, but still not great. Uh, Liverpool.com have quite a few transfer bits. I uh, transfer bits and pieces. Um, there's a headline piece, Pep Guardiola has just sent Liverpool a warning as Jurgen Klopp finally gets his golden chance. That's there, you can read that. Mohamed Salah is not the only one who can get Real Madrid redemption as Liverpool go full circle. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, Salah tweeted, and I think he put it on his Instagram as well, that this is what he wanted and that he is on a revenge mission in this game. So we may get Demon Mo for the rest of the season. Uh, Liverpool can get release clause steel as FSG in talks over 50 million transfer eyed by Real Madrid. So this is Chouameni is the 50 million player. I have a feeling we might be the favourites to get him. I, I could be wrong, but I just get that feeling that we might be. Uh, and the release close, I think, is Rafinha. I think it's Rafinha. Um. yes it is Rafinha if Leeds go down I wonder what they take I think if they stay up they'll want 50-55 million but if they do go down what would they take would they take you know the, the Diaz-Jata type of deal 35 million plus a bunch of add-ons maybe maybe they would uh, Liverpool can sign 98 million of talent for free within 56 days as FSG have four opportunities. Uh, Paolo de Bala, we will not be signing him. Usman Dembele definitely won't be signing him. Boubacar Kamara, I would absolutely take him at Liverpool. I think he's outstanding, will be a great backup to Fabinho. Can also fill in at centre-back and both full-back spots. And Federico Bernadeschi, Talented but infuriating, so no, that's a no from me, Bob, a no from me. Uh, Liverpool.com has a lot of good stuff, Just so do check that. There's also a piece on Victor Asinian, so do check that one out. It's quite interesting. Uh, the price they've named is, is way off, though he's going to cost quite a bit more than that. On Anfieldindex.com, we have an article of Footballs of Steel by the machine Stephen Smith and we've got some new podcasts coming this week, so do check all of them out. And that'll do me for today. Not much Liverpool, but a bit of pep slander for your day. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show